0: It's a very positive message. It's the message of freedom, emancipation, really. Free ourselves, free each other, help each other to be free. That's the message of Bitcoin. That's the message of the art. While at the same time recognizing it's not all roses, it's an up and down, right? That's from the roller coaster guy. We're not going straight up, we're not going flat. We're, this is an up and down journey.
1: This is the Bitcoin Muse, and I'm Clay Enos. This week, Marcus Connor joins me to discuss his most famous creation, the Bitcoin roller coaster guy, as well as some of his latest works and ideas around design, artistic discipline, and of course, Bitcoin. With some time to reflect on our chat, I was reminded of a saying, that the muses have to find you working. And Marcus is a great example of just that. Plus, he's a wonderful dose of optimism. Marcus's now iconic roller coaster guy is a perennial fixture on Twitter and Noster and the like when Bitcoin's volatility kicks in. One you've likely seen. It's an animated cartoon Bitcoin, bright orange and smiling with stick like arms held high while riding a single red car of a roller coaster as it quickly rises and falls on a wooden track. It's a joyful looped gif that was created in 2013 and, as you'll hear, took on a mimetic life of its own. Today, Marcus continues to explore and express his understanding of Bitcoin and his ongoing relationship with his rollercoaster guy at BitcoinCoaster.com. There you'll find illustrations, sculptures, animations, paintings, and consumer products that tap emotions familiar to even the most fresh-faced Bitcoiner. Marcus and I were discussing how artists aren't always the best marketers, and I chose that as the best place to cut into our conversation. Because these rips don't offer the standard introductions and closing thoughts, it's on me to remind you to check the show notes or to visit thebitcoinmuse.com to find links to all my guests, their respective websites, and social streams. Speaking of which, please share this podcast on your feeds. Just a simple repost of the episode on Twitter or Noster or Vero helps a ton. I'm 20 episodes in now, so new listeners have lots to explore. And if you're listening on a podcasting 2.0 app like Fountain or Breeze, you should know that 10% of all those streams and boosts split to help OpenSats fund Bitcoin and other free and open source projects. Again, sharing this pod helps everyone. And now we drop into my chat with Marcus Connor.
0: I work part time still in a regular job and it's for a marketing agency. So marketing is a little bit of my thing.
1: Yeah. Well, cool. And I've similarly, right, in past lives, applied my aesthetics to serving a larger corporate entity. Right, But it is a very different thing to apply those skills to ourselves. It is. It is. And it's a challenge. It's one that I
0: face continually because I do think about it. I like to focus on art and creativity, but design as well. To me, art, And design is not going to be separated because they're just two arms of the same thing. I've been a professional designer, and obviously I'm a professional artist as well. So I love bringing those things together. And then, of course, thinking about the marketing aspect of some things, that comes last.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of things to talk about with you because, for one, I think it's fun to contextualize. You had been a disciplined cartoonist somebody who is drawing a daily work for nine straight years
0: that's right from 2007 to 2016 i published a single panel web comic every single day never missed a day very proud of that i remember when i first started and one of my friends was like that is a ridiculous idea don't do that uh you know and uh i was like no i'm doing this and It was uh, an art project for myself, essentially, to share with others, of course, but I put that goal on myself and suffered for nine years through that, you know, that daily, oh my goodness, I have to (laughs) draw something and hopefully it can be clever or at least look decent. You know, people think, oh, it must have been so much fun. No, it wasn't fun you know (laughs) of course a lot of it was fun but when you give yourself that goal of i need to produce something every single day while working full-time or moving or going through great and terrible things within my life i never missed a day you know during the time when i was doing that comic for nine years many life, big life changes for me. And somehow I I got through it and didn't miss a day.
1: I mean, that's really testament to a discipline. But the fact that you would acknowledge that it was difficult is sort of anathema, I think, for folks who from the outside look at artists as living this carefree, creative lifestyle. Right. (laughs) But in fact, the muse have to find you working. That's right. Sometimes
0: you see like, they're like, oh, painting must be so relaxing, you know, or for some people it is, you know, some people they put up a canvas and bring out some paint and they, you know, it's relaxing to just let some color flow and it can be relaxing. Art can be relaxing at times, but often when you're working with purpose and towards a goal, towards a timeline, it's not relaxing at all. It's difficult. So... It is, but it's worth that struggle and that difficultness for the outcome. Personally, one of the greatest outcome of me doing that was just honing my drawing skills. When I look at my early comics, they just look so sloppy to me. And then over time, I really honed my style, I guess I would say. so. And And I'm really glad I did that. And of course... It was during that time that I was doing that daily comic that I also created, you know, the Bitcoin roller coaster guy.
1: Yeah, cool. You can learn a lot looking through those old comics. You have a cat.
0: Yes, yes. That
1: you love your puns. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. I mean, many of them were very much puns and wordplay. And that sort of look on life it was like, Drawing the Bitcoin roller coaster guy was just obvious to me because once I was into Bitcoin, people were talking about the roller coaster, being of course the price and our emotions. And so I was like, oh yeah, Bitcoin roller coaster, I'm going to draw that and animate it. What I did do specifically was that was such an idea and such a, a focused and purposeful idea that it, it wasn't part of my daily webcomic because my daily webcomic had a certain style to it that I kept to. And so I uh, wanted to give this thing some more color than my daily webcomic and animate it. And so I just decided like, I'm just doing this for the fun of it, but for Bitcoiners, yeah, you know, I'm gonna share this with Bitcoiners and I hope they like it. And at first they didn't. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. So after I created it initially, uh, the initial GIF, I shared it on uh, the forum, bitcointalk.org. Got a couple comments. And I also shared it on the Bitcoin subreddit, and it was immediately downvoted to zero. And that's where it stays. It's archived at zero, the initial ones. So it wasn't until later when people started to reshare it that it really took off.
1: It's a little like so much art history in context that painters toil in obscurity their whole lives, only to be discovered hundreds of years later as masters and on an accelerated timeline, zero to hero.
0: Yeah, thank goodness. I'm so grateful. I try to reflect on my experiences in life throughout life. And I learned some lessons from that. One of the lessons I learned was that initial post I made on Reddit. I didn't state that it was original content. I didn't state that I made it. And so I think that had an effect on whoever downvoted it. I think I just titled it Bitcoin Roller Coaster," and somebody probably thought, ah, this guy's just posted some GIF he found on the internet, you know, and just downloaded it. People like to know when you've created something and whenever you share something on the internet, people are going to see that for the first time and they're not going to know you. So by giving people context around a piece of artwork, it helps people to appreciate it more. Hmm. And so even to today, When I post on Twitter, I tell people, this is my new artwork. I just made this. I'm extremely explicit about it just because I want people to understand that I did make this and it helps them to appreciate it a little bit more. That was one of the big lessons I learned. The other big thing that I got out of the whole roller coaster guy taking off was that I created the original art, but it became a meme outside of my control and one person cannot create a meme. A meme is created by the people, right? It's when the people see something, it resonates, they start to share it, they change it, they share it again, they change it again. It is the people that create a meme by its very definition. Uh, One person cannot create a meme. So I'm really grateful to all the people for this artwork resonated and that they took it and shared it and changed it and gave him this life outside of my control. Absolutely. So that was humbling in a way and also makes me feel connected, I think, to a lot of Bitcoiners.
1: Yeah, actually, I think it's Nico who always says that we're going to win the meme game because our memes are based in truth. And I think clearly the Bitcoin roller coaster guy. Is a truthful expression of, of not just the price, but of our emotions and things.
0: Yes, <laughs>
1: and so it it resurrects from uh, a down vote of zero into the zeitgeist now for for a decade, I guess, right?
0: Yes, yeah. It's been it's been a little over ten years. It was ten years this year in twenty twenty three. It was ten year anniversary because I created him right after the first time Bitcoin skyrocketed up to a hundred dollars. And then immediately shot back down. It was right after that that I ended up, I was <laughs> inspired to create him.
1: Well, that kind of inspiration, you didn't deviate from your Brainless Tales daily webcomic. No. But obviously percolating in the background was your fascination and understanding of Bitcoin. Yes. Were those just running in parallel? Uh mm-hmm. huh.
0: Yeah. So prior to me creating the Bitcoin roller coaster guy, I actually did... Because I created him in 2013, but in late 2012, I had a comic on Brainless Tales titled Bitcoin. And uh, the joke that I went with, it was a zombie coin. He had been bitten. So I took the bit out of Bitcoin and uh, this coin had been bitten and he was a zombie. And so I had already incorporated Bitcoin into Brainless Tales. And I did do a few more in 2013 that included Bitcoin on Brainless Tails. So it's not as if Bitcoin didn't exist in Brainless Tails, it it did, but this was something different and, and a little more special that I wanted it to be when I created him. So, And I put the Brainless tail logo on the original coaster because I just wanted to use that as a signature, basically, as a way for people to find me like, oh, who made this? It says Brainless Tails. They can look that up and find the website. Find me.
1: So that takes on a life of its own. At what point and I also sort of acknowledged that Bitcoin's a difficult thing to render artistically. Yeah. To be inspired, as you were, is one thing, but then it's another thing to process this deeply complicated revolutionary idea of hard digital scarcity, all these things into your art. And so obviously that took a little while for you to say, "I'm Brainless Tails is going to bed. I'm going to be a Bitcoin artist."
0: Yeah. So, right. Brainless Tales was about all of life. Everything that I interacted with in life was possible inspiration for Brainless Tales. So Bitcoin made its way in, but it was a small percentage. You know, Obviously, there's a lot more cats than Bitcoin in Brainless Tales. There's probably a lot more hot dogs in Brainless Tales than Bitcoin. Um, but there was also other freedom messages within Brainless tales. There was things about snakes running for election and the mice voting for this. You know, which snake are we going to vote for? Things like that. There were some slightly subversive political messages and messages of freedom peppered and sprinkled throughout brainless tales because that's part of my life and who I am. And after nine years, I had had enough of this drawing every day enough of this and so I stopped drawing and my life kind of focused on some other things for a couple of years after that and I really took a couple of year break from just drawing in general and from a lot of visual art I was doing other types of art music things like that and so it really wasn't until a couple of years after that that I thought oh, I'm really wanting to draw again, specifically to draw and get back into art. And uh, I had already started drawing a little bit. I had drawn something for the Bitcoin Having. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I wasn't actively doing a lot of Bitcoin art. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe I should focus on this. It's really fun. People love this character. If I can respect the love and care that everyone has shown him and Continue to bring life to him from my point of view, I think it would be a really positive thing. And it just made sense because he did have this ongoing life while I was focusing on other things. People kept him alive. So I thought, I think I can come back to this and uh, do it in a respectful way because it wasn't just mine anymore. He belonged to many people and lived in many people's hearts. So I. Treaded lightly, even though I was my art, you know, I wanted to take that
1: approach to it. Yeah, it's tricky. We all understand that the mimetic aesthetic is open source, free for everyone to manipulate. And you had enjoyed watching the Bitcoin roller coaster guy become a mimetic phenomenon. Yeah. I would be less cautious, but I guess you're right. You can't come in and be like, that's mine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes and
0: no, right? I was kind of like, oh boy. Like, luckily, one of my good friends, Mandrick, had a very big following on Twitter, a Bitcoin following, because Mandrick is, he's most well known for being like the Baklava guy. Because years ago, he used to sell Baklava online for Bitcoin. Um, and then he was involved in some early Bitcoin companies working for them. And he stayed very, very active and on the pulse of the Bitcoin community throughout. And so he had actually been bugging me like, hey, I want you to draw me a roller coaster guy. And he wanted to pay me for it. And I was like, all right, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Then he shared that on Twitter and he was like, hey, everybody knows this Bitcoin roller coaster guy, but it's my friend Marcus. Nobody knows him. He's the guy who made it. And so he kind of really helped to kickstart my path back into the Bitcoin art world. Uh, so I was grateful for that.
1: Yeah, well, he's a special fella. And my hands were almost shaking as I reached for the baklava in person at BitBlock Boom the other day. I, <laughs> as a longtime lurker, it's really fun to meet and engage with people who were so formative in my understanding and passion for bitcoins. Good for him.
0: That's cool. I mean, Mandrick and I were friends prior to that. He hosted a Bitcoin meetup in his house that I went to, you know, long, long ago prior to me even creating The Roller Coaster Guy. Luckily, we just had a long
1: friendship. On that friend level, that friend who warned you against your daily comic, are you still friends? (laughs) Only in that, like, when you finally came to the nine-year or or closed that door.
0: Yeah, I never did really say, ha-ha, I guess I should have done that,
1: right? Well, I don't know, because I think... Artists in general, we move with our own intentions. And yes. And you have to shun the non constructive critiques. Right.
0: Yes. And there's always a lot of that if you hear it, you know. Uh, so it is good to try and filter it out. Just take it for what is worth. Uh, what do they know?
1: <laughs> what do they know? It's true. And, and I think it depends too on sort of how fine-arty you want to get and I think your stuff is so accessible it's the stuff of the far side you're not putting a huge complicated aesthetic veil between you and the audience
0: yeah thank you I mean my goal is brevity and cuteness you know I mean that's fun because as a designer earlier you were saying that in design 99% of design is not seen it's not known that's the challenge of a designer is to remove to remove all the clutter and focus the message as best and as pointed as we can get it. And so that design mind is where I go when I draw a comic, remove all the clutter, get to the point of it and make it fun. That's what I try to do. And... Uh, Sometimes I'm successful with that. I think,
1: and yet, because it's design and because it's art, it can't be overly pedantic. other you just write it, you would just you just put it in some words, right? Yeah. It has to. It has to have something to engage or stimulate the audience's imagination, participate in a conversation of sorts.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the things that ended up working out really well with the roller coaster guy and one of the reasons it just spoke to people was that there's not a word on it. There's nothing to read. It's just look at it and you understand it. That's it. You don't need an explanation on here. It's unnecessary. And that's I think part of why it's a success cuz you know somebody doesn't have to speak English to understand it even though that's the language that I speak.
1: Yeah, cool. And so now the Bitcoin roller coaster guy is how you're identifying, right. putting on that, the hat that lets you pay the bills is really difficult for artists in general. We look at it with a little bit of, I don't know, it's like shame or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, it
0: is a challenge because as an artist, what we want to do is what I did when I created The Roller Coaster Guy, right? There was no thought of marketing at all. There was just an inspiration that sparked me to draw and create this work of art. And I just wanted to share it. That's all I wanted to do. While I was doing a daily webcomic, I made almost nothing from my daily webcomic. It was fully an art project based on just sheer will and desire of me as an artist and a creator. So that's what the artist wants to do. The artist wants to be inspired and create the art and not have to consider the financial outcomes of what we're doing. I used to work full time as a designer developer, and a couple of years back, I decided to focus on art, but I still kept my day job for a couple of days a week. I actually have a regular job that I work two days a week and I'm kind of on call the other days. And the beauty of that is that's enough to pay my bills. And actually, it really leaves me a lot of leeway now. When I do my art, I'm not too worried about what it's going to sell for. I just think whatever it sells for, great. I just want to create what I want to create, something that I think is cool the thing that i would want to buy that's the thing i'm going to create i'm very fortunate to have that situation that i've kind of created for myself this way i can still have a little bit of that uh eh, if it doesn't sell it's not the end of the world
1: if your early success was a zero on reddit yeah there's a lesson in maybe being patient and and embracing some of those Bitcoiner ideas of a lower time preference or patience as i prefer to say absolutely yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Was woodworking something that you had learned as a way to turn the roller coaster guy into something three dimensional, or was it already in your wheelhouse?
0: Yeah, I had started really getting into whittling and wood carving after Brainless Tales was over. It was something I kind of picked up. I really wanted to make carve gnomes, and I did, and I still do. Love carving gnomes. So then, when it came to like creating artworks focused around Bitcoin, it was just easy to say, oh, cool. Now I can take this newer artistic skill that I'm still developing and weave that into the other things that I'm doing. And and that's, that's one of the great things about doing art right now for me, of course, I think with a lot of art, I'm always trying something new, something different in some way or another. Some of my artworks I've made actually move in different ways. And that is so challenging. I mean, it's almost like, what was I thinking? I'm not an engineer, you know?
1: Sometimes I wonder if artists get stuck in an aesthetic because that's what was selling or that's where their initial efforts went and they don't keep playing or they don't keep trying new stuff. And I find Bitcoin artists, maybe because it's also new, are very flexible or working in multiple domains at once, which I find really refreshing. I I know it's always been the case to a certain extent with great masters, but I find that Bitcoiners are really untethered to particular aesthetics.
0: Yeah, I, I would say I see that as well. And it's exciting. I've gotten to know a lot of other Bitcoin artists, and it's really exciting to see the things that they work on and come up with. Uh, I really enjoy that aspect of the world of Bitcoin art. It is fun to see others and they're inspiring to me, right? So I'm watching these other artists that are trying and doing different things, trying different mediums. I think, oh, that's so clever and great. And so, of course, it inspires me to also push the balance.
1: I think that we are still trying to figure out what Bitcoin is as artists because it's this... It's almost too big on some level to try and distill down into singular works of art. Big ideas like a Renaissance 2.0 are bandied about, and I think are reasonable frameworks. But inside that, it's tricky to address the totality of it. The Bitcoin roller coaster guy is the emotions or the price, depending how you want to look at it or feel it.
0: It is and because Bitcoin is so much, and it is really quite complicated. It's so deep too, right? And that's actually the inspiration, the beauty of it, because there are so many aspects of Bitcoin that can be explored by artists. I mean, look at like what Fractal Crypt, what he has done, you know, with some of his works and the places that he's gone. Or cryptography and the places that he's gone in completely different way and when you see there are so many avenues to explore so many different layers to look at and peel back that's kind of the beauty of it right because it's not just one thing it's so much it's it's not just money it's it's about freedom. It's about self-ownership that we own ourselves. And so we can choose how to exchange with others and how to interact with others. Being a free person means that you're free to interact with the people you choose in the way that you choose. Of course, we should be peaceful and respectful of others while doing so. But to me, that's That's what Bitcoin is really focused around is the freedom and also, of course, recognizing the issues and the problems with money and control as they exist and have existed and have changed over time. That's why Bitcoin made sense to me right away early on because I understood the problems with the monetary system, fiat,
1: so on and so forth. Good for you. I was late to that party. But Bitcoin opened my eyes to it.
0: Great. That's awesome. I mean, it needs to do that because understanding monetary stuff is not easy and it's certainly not taught by and large. So,
1: And it's a difficult thing. It is. To even use the expression opened my eyes. It allows me to see. And since we are visual artists, it would be fun to see a world that is either on a Bitcoin standard or is or to see art supports what at first is a kind of trepidation that is everything I ever learned about the world upside down and
0: backwards? Well, yes, of course it is. (laughs) Because (laughs) we live in a world that is true and exists. But when we expose ourselves to media, we're exposing ourselves to propaganda at every level. So whether that media is a newspaper, social media, a poster, a television show, a news program, a movie, a documentary, any media that we expose ourselves to, textbooks, school, it's all propaganda. There is propaganda in everything. And so if we base our truth on the propaganda, then we can be confused and live in a different world than what actually exists here and on the ground. I think it's one of the reasons I love to live in the woods of New Hampshire because when I step out into the woods, there's no propaganda in the woods. It's just nature and reality, and I can experience that and just feel grounded and that I'm close to truth at that time. And so I continually learn new things and append my previous thoughts of what was truth, and that's because I'm comfortable doing that and I I enjoy it. I enjoy not knowing and telling myself I don't know things. A lot of people would rather be comfortable in knowing something limited. They say, oh, I understand that. I don't need to learn any more about it because I feel comfortable with how I understand things. That actually makes me uncomfortable. I would rather keep an open mind about everything as much as possible anyway. Obviously, maybe I can't do it for everything, but I like to try and keep an open door on all the things I learn. When I learn something, I say, that's incredible. I love that I learned that, but maybe it's not even true.
1: I kind of like that idea of, of you in nature because nature is an adversarial environment for all of us, despite... You know, the contemporary propaganda, as discussed, that you have to be constantly finding a way to survive and thrive and enjoy in a world that would throw a blizzard at you or present you with a dwindling fire or what have you.
0: (laughs) Yes, but those things are real, you know, and they exist. Like the news says there's going to be a terrible storm this weekend. But then there's not a terrible storm this weekend. So that's the reality, you know, versus what I'm being told might be the reality.
1: And your own skill sets and your own understanding to know that that storm is weatherable given your survival skills or what have you. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know how much of an adventurer you are in those in those woods. The other idea is propaganda that you brought up. And I think all of us kind of look at propaganda when it doesn't agree with us. But are we not propagandists? Are artists? Aren't we trading in that aesthetic too? Don't we have an agenda?
0: Absolutely. One hundred percent. I'm a propagandist. That's what I am. That's the understanding is that everything, all things put out have a preconceived point of view and a hopeful message to convey. So yeah, we're doing the same thing. And so basically the propaganda of Bitcoin is to achieve social consensus that to me is the most important thing for Bitcoin. It's what makes Bitcoin worth what it is and what it will be nothing else matters. People think that the code is the most important thing. No, it's not. It's social consensus because without social consensus, Bitcoin has no value. If only one person cares about Bitcoin, then nobody else will pay for it. And it's that building over time of the social consensus around this code base that is really what is important. And so it's that understanding that It's a revolution against the chains of the federal government trying to control us with their dollar. That's what this is. And so that's what Bitcoin is, is us agreeing that no, we don't accept the limits that you put on us. We decide for ourselves that we're going to be free through the use of Bitcoin and we agree on it no matter what you are going to
1: throw at us. It feels like a manifesto for an artist that, no, we see a better world. Yes. And that artists tend to take that mantle on. They're challenging the given aesthetic, whether they're putting urinals in the galleries or they're just saying, no, there's a better way. We're we're idealistically running with our visions. Yes. I don't know why there aren't more of us.
0: (laughs) Well... It's a very positive message. It's the message of freedom, emancipation, really. Free ourselves, free each other, help each other to be free. That's the message of Bitcoin. That's the message of the art. While at the same time recognizing it's not all roses, it's an up and down, right? That's from the roller coaster guy. We're not going straight up, we're not going flat. We're, this is an up and down journey. Luckily, I'm able to even reflect some of those downs in some of my other artworks, I'm able to go for the glory as well as the struggle. It's all there. And there's a lot of inspiration there.
1: Do you think that we're going to see more artists who are currently, say, distracted with, I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't understand why Bitcoin hasn't just absorbed the entire artist community. Um,
0: well, because people have focus in life. We all have limited time and we have busy lives, learning new things that are outside of our comfort zone is not something a lot of people can make time for. And they have to choose. Everybody is making a choice what they can spend their time on. I think that it's just that people are busy. They don't understand why Bitcoin is so important. And that's the reason why. They just don't understand it. And so It's hard to say like, hey, you should learn about this because it's important. It's almost like you need them to understand why it's important for them to actually learn about why it's important. It's a little bit of a, you know, and I have found myself educating some people about Bitcoin and the people that don't really know anything about it. I don't even start talking about Bitcoin. What I educate them on is the US dollar, the fiat system. That's what I start with. If somebody doesn't understand Bitcoin, I don't talk about Bitcoin. I talk about fiat money and explain inflation and what inflation really is. And then they say, wow, I didn't understand that. I didn't know that. How come I was never taught this? Well, of course you weren't taught this because the people who are in control of this system don't want you to understand it. So I don't think it's a terribly... Complicated thing to learn, but it can be. Uh, there are some barriers.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really nice approach, and your demeanor is coming through here in this conversation. <laughs> Say Bitcoin intimidates because of the volatility. You can almost point to the roller coaster guy with whimsy and just relax. It's that 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 the volatility is fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have fun.
0: Yeah. I, I love when uh, you know somebody who's not really in Bitcoin, but they know a little bit and then they're like, oh, yeah, didn't it just crash? you know And it's like, yeah, we love when it crashes because it can only come down after it's gone up and it always goes back up. That's the fun of it, the down. People want to go like, ah, oh, they want to, you know, it's telling themselves I'm right for not being in because I saw it went down. But, yeah, of course, it can only go down after it goes up, and it always goes up again.
1: Yeah, you almost, your GIFs, or GIFs, I'm not going to get into it.
0: <laughs> Do you have a? GIF. Just it's fuck GIF, yeah. of course. <laughs> graphic, you know, it's not dr- graphic, you know.
1: I right? 100%. hundred percent. I'm, I'm hardcore GIF, but I, I don't, it's a, I'm not here to be contentious. <laughs> well, per se.
0: Oh, yeah, you're, it's just a. Just a podcast about Bitcoin. Not trying to be contentious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to me, it's not. You know it. You know it's not contentious. In fact, it's a ton of fun, and it teaches you, like you in the woods, right, to weather circumstances that most would cower from without an umbrella and the proper LL Bean gear. And the, this, you, you, the more immersed you are in the world of Bitcoin, an adversarial world, you, pu- you can take on its traits and your flash of inspiration in The Roller Coaster Guy is something you can almost look forward to after an up. Because somebody's turned it sideways and off it goes. It's on its way down. There's a little validation that I'm not alone in feeling this.
0: Yeah, I think that's a big, I think a big part of why he really took off and resonated with people was the down. Now I go to these Bitcoin conferences and I get to meet and talk with people, which I love. and. I've had some people tell me where, like, I remember there's one guy w- I was talking to, and he said he had gotten his father into Bitcoin just recently, you know, at the time, whatever. And then right after they kind of got into it, the price went down and he was worried. And this guy shared the roller coaster guy with him and he said he just felt better. And I think it was because the roller coaster guy's smiling, you know, he's smiling up and smiling down. And I think it was that realization that i'm not alone in this you know like the the crash like we're all in it together we're all going down and it's like ah you know we're yelling and it's that thrill and the exhilaration of it all so i guess that's part of it that realization that oh i'm not alone in this and we'll be okay because we're gonna go up again
1: yeah no i felt it and i think a lot of other people did too so as you it's not a one-hit wonder, <laughs> but you've got this guy as your platform now to continue to explore your relationship with Bitcoin, your and your let's say your propagandistic message. yeah, right? and I mean that now in a in a laudatory sense. Yeah. Where do you see yourself going without tying yourself to your words now? But where is your imagination taking you or your dreams taking you with your art? Oh wow hopefully to new and amazing
0: places that I haven't even thought of yet. Do I have a grand plan? Like, no. This year, uh, we're in 2023 right now. Actually, at the, the end of last year, I was asked by Bitcoin Magazine to do this illustration, and they ended up using it on the back cover of the magazine. It was unclear how or where in the magazine it would be used when they asked me to do it you know, it ended up being called Fiat Land, which was named by one of my collectors. I had already made Bitcoin Land. That was like an artwork I had done. And then this came out and I was like, I don't know what the title is. And he offered up Fiat Land, so. It works. When they a- actually asked me to do that artwork, number one, they gave me the time frame. I was like, I told them on the call. I said, I can't do this. This is not enough time for me to do this. There's no way I can do this. And then Dennis from Bitcoin Magazine, he's like, ah, you can do it. (laughs) They're like, you don't have to, you don't have to, but you can do it, you know? And so I was like, uh, I just knew that it was going to be a lot of work um, because I know how I work. And so I took it on because I wanted to take it on. It was, uh, you know, they gave me a little bit of direction and I just went and I just really wanted to knock it out of the park. And it was so great because I never would have created that piece of artwork if they had not asked me to create it. It was very nebulous when they asked me for it. And so I was really able to just put all these different ideas that I had into this thing. And you know, it took a little bit of direction from them as well. Some of the things they wanted to see a little bit, but if anybody sees it, it was in the broke issue with uh, the pig guy on the front. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was just, it ended up becoming in the cartoon aesthetic for me, my most complex artwork to date in that style. And so I'm so glad that they asked me to do that because now that exists. And then it's done as a print as well. I would like to do some more things like that in that vein. Haven't done another one yet, but you know, hopefully something else in that vein of really bringing a lot of ideas and a lot of small things because it's hopefully really fun for people to look at because there's a lot of things to see in it whereas like my daily comic and some of my artworks are very very focused like we talked about a single point very quick and easy that kind of brings all of that but puts a bunch of it together into one big artwork where it's like okay there's a bunch of little stories in this artwork and there are there's all kinds of little stories for people to discover. So it kind of creates this whole nother level of like, I can spend time with this and really find these things. So hopefully something more like that, uh, but other things as well.
1: It was somewhere between a Bruegel and the old Mad Magazine where you f- I wanted to almost fold it over. Yes, and-
0: yes, <laughs> fold it.
1: Yeah. Well, good for you. And, and I guess you're no stranger to time constraints, whether it was the discipline of nine years of drawing something or just a tight deadline that's part of who you are and how you work.
0: Yes, for sure. Now I've been, a lot of times I'm doing artwork specifically for an event, like say the Bitcoin conference. Uh, and so with those events, it's, it is great to have a timeline, <laughs> deadline, because it's like, got to get this done. Sometimes it's last minute trying to finish something, of course, and then I'm pulling all day, all nights, working on stuff, which is really fun. And it's satisfying to do that. I, I
1: I enjoy that. That's cool, man. I love that you don't take it easy on yourself. And out of it comes this really joyful, engaging, playful artwork. Thank you.
0: I take my artwork very seriously. You know, I, I don't want to put something half-assed out there. I want it to look like it was easy, but it's not easy. <laughs> Sometimes parts of it may be easy. Recently I did a GIF uh of the Bitcoin crab market and it's yeah, the Bitcoin crab guy and he's walking sideways. The drawing of it didn't take too long, but you know, the the all the animating
1: of it takes time. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you know, but I want it to be just right. Well, look, man, what a delight to talk to you. You've anthropomorphized the emotions of Bitcoin into a the up and down, right? The roller coaster guy. But you yourself are a kind of you're so, so living Bitcoin, <laughs> hopeful and positive and the things that we, you can doom scroll all day long and Bitcoin is hope. And I, and I really, and talking to you and looking at your art, you get that you're a, a walking, talking embodiment of we're going to make it.
0: Great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we all have just one life to live. And so we should do our best to be positive positive for ourselves, because the more positive we can be, the better we feel as an individual. And then the better that we feel as an individual, we radiate that to those around us in our personal lives and our professional lives and our social lives on the internet and as well as in person. So we should think about and care for others because it, it helps us to feel good when we care about others and look out for each other. So those things are all very important, and that's part of what Bitcoin does, is it says, look, we have this thing that can make our lives better for us, for the people that are not born into the ruling class. We have this way to live better.
1: Cool. Well, onward then. All right. Hey, look, man, I really, really appreciate it. I look forward to uh, shaking your hand. If you're ever in New York City, hit me up. And PubKey's Walking Distance.
0: Thank you. It was great. Great doing it. Thanks a lot.
1: There you have it. Please pop into the show notes for links to all of Marcus Connor's links. Chief among them is BitcoinCoaster.com or MarcusConnerNH on X. This and all previous episodes are easily found at thebitcoinmuse.com, so be sure to share it far and wide. And if you really want a gold star, rate and review my efforts on your podcast app of choice. Apparently that makes a difference. Who really knows? Thanks to my brother Brandt for the music, to you for listening and reposting, and thanks to Marcus Connor for sharing his time, energy, and dynamic talents with the Bitcoin Muse. Onward.